So, have you ever heard something or read something that you thought was true or somebody told you it was true only to find out a little bit later that it wasn't or it was only part of the story or there was more? And, and really the, one, the question I want to get at today with all of you is how do you know? How can you know if something is true or right or good? And I want to look with you at this uh, story that Christy just read from uh, the book of Matthew about Jesus. It was a certain part of his life where he was presented with something that sounded maybe true or good or right, but he was able to see the bigger picture or ask the right questions or know the right thing to, to know that wasn't the whole story. And so I want to use him uh, as an example of how practically we might, moving through our, our days and our weeks, discern what is true and what's good and what's right. And so that's just on a practical level. And also, because he's Jesus, uh, he speaks to uh, spiritual things that are um, kind of a second level. And I want to point towards those as well. So there are three things. He, he faced three situations where he had to discern what was true. And so I want to look at each one of those. And the first is in the first four verses. If you want to look at what Christy just read, you can follow along. Um, but the, the, the first... Um, kind of thing I want to look at is that truth is greater than desire. Um, and I want to start by asking, have you ever been really, really hungry? I told somebody in the back, if we start smelling the barbecue, we're all going to start feeling really, really hungry. Um, you can go to the next slide, Mark. So Jesus um, had gone into the desert to spend some time with God, to pray and to fast. It means he was not eating for a while. Um, not, not to deprive himself, but to focus everything on being with God and listening to God and talking to God. And so he was, he was super hungry. And I think probably most of us have never experienced that. We might be you know, hungry for the next meal or our mouths might start to water as we smell the barbecue. So I was trying to think of something that was similar to that. And I thought about when I was in school many years ago, there was a lot of pressure to make good grades, partly from my parents, partly from teachers, and partly from myself. I just wanted to do well. And probably most of us, whether you're older like me or young like the kids here today, there's going to come that opportunity where you haven't studied as much as you should have or you don't know what you should know, and there might be that opportunity to cheat, right? To look over at your neighbor's test or somehow take a shortcut, right, to get the grade that you want, that you may even feel like, I have to have this, I need this, but you're missing out on something deeper. You know, when I was 8 or 10 or 12, I don't know that I could have named what the something deeper was, but it was, you know, as I went to the next grade and the next grade, I realized, well, if I hadn't actually learned that stuff last year, I wouldn't know what in the world was going on this year. It all kind of builds on itself. Well, Jesus was faced with this situation. He was very, very hungry, right, because he had been praying and not eating. And he was faced with the, the decision uh, to go ahead and eat. The, the tempter came to him and said, well, you're the son of God. You could turn these rocks into food and eat right now. But he would have been shortcutting his time with God, which is the whole reason he went out there in the first place. Um, and so instead of either giving in and taking the shortcut, cheating the, the, the system of what he was doing, he actually turned to the scriptures 
And he replied and said, um, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. We have to eat to live, but that's not all. He said, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I want to point out two things he did. Practically, his reason for being there was to spend time with God and to take some time away from eating. And to eat right then would have shortcut all that and he would have missed out on why he was there in the first place. But on the second level, he also pointed to something deeper, which is eating is not the most important thing there is. It's definitely important. You have to do it at some point or you'll get sick and die. You have to eat. But he said, I'm out here to feed on what God has to tell me. And right now, that's, that's my purpose. And so he, he saw past the, the desire of needing to eat right at that moment. And he held onto the truth of being with God is most important. And that helps me sometimes when I'm really hungry for something, whether it's food or doing well at something, I have to stop and ask myself, what's most important to me right now? Is it just this moment, this thing that I think I need, or is there something deeper and more important, more true, more good? A second test or temptation Jesus faced um, was in the next few verses, and that sometimes we only hear part of a story. And I mainly think about watching TV. My wife and I like to watch the news and, and other more entertaining things than that. Or the internet. There's all kinds of places uh, we get information. But somehow, because it's on TV or on our screens, there's something that, that gives authority to that, right? We see it, we hear it, and we think, well, that must be true. It's on the screen or it's on our, our TV. But most of TV and entertainment and internet and media is there to convince us of something. It's not just simple, simple information. It's to convince us of something. And, and most of the time, we're only getting part of the big story. And that made me think of uh, Jesus in the second example. Uh, let me give one example real quick. Uh, I'm trying to pick something that's not, you know, super controversial, but in a way it is. You may have heard in the news that um, there's this talk about banning TikTok, which is an app on the phone. Um, if you don't know what TikTok is, you're probably older than I am. But ask, ask your grandkids or, you know, somebody next door. But it's, it's, the, it's, it's been out for a few years, but it's something a lot of um, my kids and, and teenagers and maybe even as young as yours use. And I've been listening to the news, and they keep saying, well, the government may ban TikTok. That's a bit of the news. What I would like to hear is why. Why is that a good thing to do? And are there other options besides a straight-out ban? Are there ways to provide the same entertainment, the, the thing that teenagers and young adults love doing on that app, uh, without doing away with it altogether? Because they'll find another way. Um, I like explanations for things, not just... Here's what you need to think. So it makes me think it's always good to ask for more questions, to ask for context. Why is this the thing? Why is it being done? Why is it important to do that? Um, get the full story. Always ask questions. So I thought about Jesus in the second middle part of the story in verses 5 through 7. He is, um, and this is close to home right here, he is tempted with Scripture, Right? So he's, he, he sees this great view over uh, Jerusalem and the temple, and the tempter says to him, quoting scripture, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, because it's written, it's in the Bible, in the, in the 
Hebrew scriptures. God will command his angels concerning you. On their hands, they'll bear you up and you will not dash your foot against a stone. What's in the Bible? I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor. I, th- I think what's in the Bible is pretty important. Or sometimes if the person up front, if a pastor says it, or a teacher, or the person on the TV, it like sounds like it has to be true. But Jesus was smart enough to realize that wasn't the whole story. Why would you say that to God? And he actually broadens the picture, the context, and says, well, Scripture also says not to test God. Do not put the Lord God to the test. That, that particular Scripture was actually written to help people trust God. Like when you're in danger, God is looking out for you. God will help protect you. God has angels watching over you. It's a, script, it's a passage to trust God, not to test God, not to intentionally do something foolish just to make God help you. And then Jesus responds, you got that all twisted around. Don't put God to the test. It says that too. Um, instead, we trust God with our lives. So I think of um, yeah, what we sometimes hear on our screens I want to ask questions. I want to give a, maybe even a sillier example just to press that point home. Just because, and this goes for everything I'm saying today, just because a preacher stands up front doesn't make it true. I certainly want to be true and good with what I say, but I make mistakes too. And so I tell, I tell my congregation, if you're visiting here today, always check me, test me, ask if it's right, if it's true. Come tell me if you think I'm wrong. And I have, I have on the next Sundays, I've come back and said, you know what, I got that wrong last week. And here's, you know, somebody pointed this out to me. But here's, here's a very poor example of um, a religious person using scripture to say the wrong thing. So this is wrong. Don't listen to this. <laughs> Imagine, though, if I got up here and said to you, well, I'm a pastor and we're here in church today and I have something from God to tell you, and it says right here, it's the same passage we're looking at, Matthew 4. If you go ahead, just a few more verses. It says right there in verse 19, follow me. So I want you all to follow me. I want you to do what I say and do what I tell you to. I want you to follow me because it says in the Bible right there, the two words, follow me. Right? Well, if you were following Jesus' example, you'd say, What's, is that the whole verse? Is there some more around that? Is there some context? Why, is, why does it say that in the Bible? What's it there for? And so if you read the whole verse, it doesn't say follow anyone who tells you to follow them. It's Jesus speaking to some fishermen, and he invites them to come follow him and be his students. So if I was to teach you truly what this verse had to say, it would be about following Jesus and learning about him. And he went on to tell them, Come follow me and I will make you uh, fishers of people. You'll go find men and women and tell them about me and bring them to me, almost like you would a catch of fish. So the verse is really about following Jesus, not this guy up here, um, and learning more about him. And there's much, I mean, there's more context than that, too. That's just the whole one verse. There's learning who were these students of Jesus? Why did they follow him? What did they go on and do? What did Jesus say about himself that, he, that they became his students? I mean, that's the whole story. But that's what I would encourage all of you, young and old, to do with anything you hear. Ask a lot of questions. Look for more context. Get the full story. And then a third example from the end of the passage today in verses 8 through 11. If you've aged out a little bit of looking at your neighbor's um, algebra test, um, 
it kind of returns to this, this premise of uh, truth is more important than, in this case, power. Right? That's an adulty kind of thing, right? We want to get ahead. We want things for ourselves. We want to be well thought of and get ahead and climb the ladder and those sorts of things. It's the, it's the, the you can have it all kind of mindset. And it's very tempting, right, to take a shortcut. I put taxes up there, A, because I just did them this past week. But adults also get tempted to, to cheat just a little bit, to not report just the right way, and then I get ahead a little bit more. Or maybe I, um, I step ahead of that other person I work with to look better for my boss. We take shortcuts to look out for ourselves. And that's that other graphic. It's making me more important than the people around me, the community. Jesus is tempted with that. And this is the literal deal with the devil, right? You can have it all if you just sell your soul to me, do what I want, worship me. So the tempter shows him the whole world and says, this, this could all be yours if you'll just kind of renounce your mission and come serve me. And again, Jesus turns to the scriptures uh, and trusts them and says, you know, it's written um, to worship the Lord, serve the Lord, love the Lord alone, serve him alone. And that, that truth, that goodness of trusting in God and following God was more important than getting ahead in this world. Um, even if you're not a religious person, I think it's still true that there's something greater than me individually getting ahead. And you heard it in the, the Girl Scouts uh, oath and, and, and law. Ideals like truth and love and beauty and community and kindness and doing the right thing, all of those are more important than me getting ahead, right? And it turns out that's the same kind of thing Jesus taught. He constantly was talking about um, not serving ourselves, but serving the other, loving our neighbor. And he would tie with that loving God and loving our neighbor, of giving our, our lives for the sake of others. And as someone who is a Christian, I would, I would say all that is true. Those ideals are the important things of life. But as a Christian, I would say the source of all those things is God. They're grounded in God as the source of truth and love and goodness and kindness and community and compassion and those sorts of things. But either way, Jesus is a wonderful teacher. He teaches us how to navigate life, to find what is true and right, to ask the right kind of questions and to broaden the context so that we live lives that are good and true and right. And he also points us towards the source of all that. So I want to end with three kind of takeaway statements and questions to kind of summarize all this for you. Um, the three points again. First, truth is greater than desire. Is this thing I'm hearing or seeing, is it, is it always true or is it just what I want to do or hear right now? Secondly, truth is found in the details, in context. Have I asked the right questions? Do I understand the wider context? I love asking questions. And some of my favorite people... <laughs> are people that ask a lot of questions. You know who you are in the room. And I love you for it. I love questions. Number three, truth is greater than power. Is this thing I'm hearing or seeing, is it good and right and true, or am I being distracted by something shiny that's in it for me? 
Jesus not only provided some good methods for answering that question, how do I know what is true and right? He also pointed us to God above. Amen.